Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. If you know truth, you will become a very cheap victim for satanic manipulation. So we looked at the following areas where Satan operated with why showing his interest in influencing humanity. The first was in the Garden of Eden when man fell influenced Eve and through what Eve did Adam succumbed with no resistance and there was a fall. From there we went to uh, the temptation of Jesus when Satan came with all his arsenal and assault on Christ and Jesus overcame him for a space of 40 days. Then after that we went to the church, the Corinthian church and we said that Satan goes to church. Is that not so? Did you hear what I said? He goes to what? Or he goes to church. And I gave an, an interesting illustration that even after Satan was cast out of heaven, there was a time in heaven that the sons of God came to present themselves. And as they were presented, Satan came too. So he still has access in that sense. And God said, where are you coming from? He said, from walking to and fro the earth. Alright? So the devil goes to church. And how does he do that? He goes to church in the minds of those that are not controlled by truth. If your mind is not established on the truth of God's word, then Satan can have a voice in your life. Do you know, I, I think I was in my wife, who oh, I was sharing with. I said, do you know, um, what's his name? Judas Iscariot did not even know that the inspiration to betray Jesus came from Satan. He didn't know. He thought he was his mind. He thought he was the one thinking it. He thought he was the one being smart. I mean, he felt me, he has seen Jesus like what you call a superhero. He's seen Jesus do amazing things. So is it to arrest Jesus? It's not possible now. And he found out that he could make some money with it. I, I'll make them try to come. And I know they're interested, but as they come, they will see the power we have seen with him. Unfortunately for him, he was being mobilized by Satan and manipulated by the devil. Unfortunately, he only realized it too late. That's why you don't need to stay out of church. You don't need to stay out of the word of God. Because the more you do, the more susceptible you are to deception. Are you hearing me? Did you hear what I just said? Everybody look at me. Look at me. The more you stay away from church and you stay away from the world. There's a reason why God says forsake not the assembling of the self. It's not because for religious purposes. The reason is because the church is the ground and pillar of what? Of truth. Whenever you come into the house of God, you are being taught truth. And once anything causes you to stay away from the house of God, he wants you to stay away from your backup and your protection and the covering over your head, which is truth. So we looked at that, and the fourth one which I said the Holy Ghost flagged up in my heart is in marriage. Marriage. Everybody say marriage. marriage. And, and I, I want to quickly go over through some of the things I said. I said Satan hates marriage. Say that we may say the devil hates marriage. Anything that is a manifestation of God's goodness to man, the devil hates it. Write that down. You are a manifestation of God's goodness, so you are on Satan's hate list. He hates you. 
hates man with a passion. The Bible says he's operating in the earth with anger. Anything that is a manifestation of God's goodness, Satan hates it. James 1 17 says, Every good and perfect gift, and you're one of that, amen, comes from above. From the Father of light, but when there is one, no vulnerableness, nor a shadow of turning. Anything that is a manifestation of God's goodness, the devil hates it. Did you hear what I said? He hates it. So he hates marriage. Why? Because we said marriage is honorable. Hebrew 13, verse, one, uh, verse 4. It says marriage is honorable. And the bed on the fire, but homogeneous and adulterous God will judge. So we said the marriage relationship is one of the most powerful relationships on earth. To begin with, the scripture compares our relationship with Christ to the marriage relationship. That's when the devil hates it. Because the marriage relationship should illustrate the kind of relationship that Jesus has with the church. We are the bride of Christ. Say amen. Are you hearing me? We read that from Ephesians 5 31 and 32 where it says for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh and uh, and he says in verse 32 this is a great mystery but i speak concerning christ and the church so amen, amen. so he said the honor of marriage comes from the fact that it's a union that reveals the relational dynamics the relational schematics between christ and the church I'm going to say something today that I'm sure is going to bless everyone that will hear me. Marriage was intended by God to promote his purposes and plan through honor. Marriage was what? Was intended by God to promote his purposes and plan in the earth. The moment God created the heavens and the earth, the next thing that he made that was very important was the union between Adam and Eve. He was the one that conducted the first wedding. Are you hearing me? The moment Adam saw Eve, he said, this is what? Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Then he made this promise statement. Therefore, man shall live and cleave, and they shall become what? One flesh. That was God conducting the first wedding. There was nobody there. He's the only one there. Are you hearing me? He blessed the union. And, and, and the union was important to promote the purposes of God. Because in Genesis 1, 26, 28, God had delivered the mandate of dominion to man. And he blessed them and he said, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion over the earth. Now, in order to carry out that dominion, God gave a union between man and woman, not man and women. Man and woman. Say man and woman. I read a funny story from the newspaper that somebody resigned from a denomination because he believes that polygamy is of God. I just shook my head. I shook my head. I like, Yeah, that's the craziness going on where you don't know truth. And some of you will jump into such argument because you don't even know. Because inside your heart, you've been having a loss to marry more than one wife. So you are looking for revelation to back it up. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve's. Are you hearing me? It's also not Adam and Steve. It's Adam and Eve. It's not man and man. Did you hear what I said? It's not Adam and Steve. It's Adam and what? Eve. Man and a man shall live and cleave to a woman and both shall be what? One flesh. So anything outside that is not God. Did you hear what I said? See, one thing I love about God is God is very straightforward. He's not, he doesn't talk in shadows. When he speaks, he's light. You see it. 
Am I making any sense? Bill again, but very clear. All right? So, the, the marriage union was intended by God to promote his purposes and plan through honor. And we looked at some of the attributes of the features of this honor. One is the wife. Proverbs 18.22 says, Whosoever finds a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtains favor of the Lord. God had to back the union. So, he designed and intended the wives to be a good thing to a marriage. Say, if you are married, just say, I'm a good thing. Say, I'm a favor bringer. I know some of you, traditional nonsense has bastardized you, so your perception of yourself has nothing to do with truth. But the truth says you are a good thing. So, if you are married or not, say, I am a good thing. If you are not married, you are a potential good thing to a union. If you are married, you are a good thing. Are you hearing me? Stop thinking like your crazy mother and crazy uh, grandmother. You are a good thing. Some a good thing. I'm a good thing. The people be discovering. Say, they talk like a mama. Mouth. Now say mama mouth be. Not the. Now say be. No. Let them define you by your heritage in Christ. Say, some a good thing. You know what a good thing is? That means you are not a stress. You are not a troublemaker. You are a blessed person. Say amen. Say, say I'm a favor bringer. Say it louder. Come on. Say I'm a favor bringer. If, if you are a lady and you are not talking, that means you have, a, you have a plan to frustrate somebody's life. Say I am a favor bringer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, you need a lot of debugging to computer world to, to delete some nonsense that you've picked up. That has nothing to do with your heritage in God. A woman who becomes a wife is a good thing and brings favor to the union. A wife is a good thing to the man in the marriage union. Proverbs 19:14. Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is what? Is from the Lord. You see, every woman has the potential to be prudent. To be prudent means to, to treat affairs with discretion, with wisdom. Are you hearing me? That's what prudence is. Every woman has the potential for prudence. And you develop it by truth. Say amen. Every potential God has put in a man and a woman is developed by the knowledge of the truth. Are you hearing me? It's developed. And, and you need to develop your prudence. So when you get into a relationship, you are delivering on full load. Everybody say on full load. I didn't hear you. Say on full load. You are delivering the goodness of God into your union. Say amen. A wife is intended by God as a blessing of fruitfulness to the marriage union. One of the scriptural traits of a blessed man is a prudent wife. Glory be to God. We looked at Psalm 128 verses 1 to verse 3. We said in verse 3, The wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the side of thine house. Thy children like olive plant round about thy table. So when God looks at a wife, he sees fruitfulness in the union. Say amen. So you are not just a good thing, you are a fruitful thing. Say I'm a fruitful thing. I'm not hearing the woman. I'm not hearing the lady. Say I am a fruitful thing. You are not a stress. Stop saying that. Thus the enemy knowing the purpose, honor of the marriage relationship as, watch this, the enemy knowing the honor purpose of the marriage relationship as a manifestation of God's goodness to humanity will seek to corrupt and destroy the marriage union through his wiles. Today, there is an assault on the marriage union. Everybody say an assault. Yeah, it's an assault. There is a demonic push to redefine marriage. 
a demonic push to redefine. All kinds of ideologies are being used to change as an attempt to change the God-given concept of marriage. In some countries, laws are being promoted to redefine marriage. That is not the union between a man and a woman. It's the union between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And you see them. And they smile. They know they're lying, but they smile. You see a woman kissing a woman, man kissing a woman, and the people will be smiling as if it's a good thing. God forbid. They, they, they are convincing themselves that it's okay. But no matter how you try, black is black, white is white. I hope you know that. Did you understand what I'm saying? No matter how many laws you raise, you cannot overturn what God has said. Am I making any sense? There was a modern day cultural war against me. And you need to be aware of that. Some of you may be privileged to travel abroad. And you're going to see things that you've never seen before. There's a cultural war against marriage, which explains one of the reasons that society is failing today. What sin did, the damage that sin did to humanity, one of the damages in the marriage union, because that's the first thing Satan attacked. So that's why husbands, wife, potential husbands and wife, your defense against Satan's onslaught is truth. What did I call it? Truth. Everybody say truth. truth. I'm not hearing you. Truth. Say truth. It is only truth, through truth, you can detect, overthrow, and nullify Satan's attack. And let me say this, it doesn't matter who you are, you may be the most anointed man of God. Satan, if he sees a crack in your marriage, he will come for it. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Yeah. If he sees a crack, he will come for it. And we need to be very careful. <laughs> let me share this, my wife will know this. You know, it was last week after church had preached, and... And I prepared for the program, so it was usually any week to my meeting. I step up on my spiritual um, commitment and praying and listening to the Holy Ghost. And so after the service, it was a very powerful meeting. And I felt blessed by the Spirit. So we went to bed on Sunday. And before we went, I just spoke by the Spirit. And you know, somebody she was watching, so I said, what is that? She told me, I said, okay. I said, you know one thing about this information on social media? It is important to process them with truth. I didn't know I was speaking something in the spirit. I didn't even know what it was. So I had a dream. In the dream, I was talking with mommy. We were just gisting. The next thing she ran away and left me. And she, I think I saw her among some uh, people that were discussing. Some of them were influencers and they were talking. Why they were talking? I didn't even listen to any of them. The only thing I said was, be careful. I just said it, innocently. So the next morning she came, she greeted me as well, she hugged me, kissed me and all that. Then I said to her, I said, I had an interesting dream. She said, what was it? I shared it. Ah. She not told me, she said, I had a dream too. That was before the one I had. And it was what I said that brought it up. And I'm sharing this because I want to show you how sometimes, if you're not perceptive in the spirit, Satan can sow a seed that can destroy you. She said, I had a dream. I said, okay, what was the dream? So you will not believe this. He said, in the dream, I saw that you had an affair. I said, me. He said, yes. And the name of the person was Lovette. I said, Lovette. I said, I said, who is Lovette? He said, she was surprised. He said, in the dream, listen, oh, in the dream, she saw some real as, ah, how can you? Ah, bad. This is bad. What? So, I saw women too. She saw women too, okay? <laughs> so, why? Right, she was saying, so, so I, I laughed. 
I said, so what did you do? He said, I said, I said, I devil is a liar. Not possible. That cannot happen. So she said, she rebuked it. And I smiled. When she finished, I said, do you understand what you just saw? I said, before God, I'm not in any affair. And I don't know any lover to begin with. Let me clear that first. I said, but what you just picked is Satan shooting an arrow where 18 years next year will be 19 years of marriage. Never had any issue. I said, this is Satan sending an arrow to sow a seed of suspicion and confusion. Now, guess what? Later that day, I was in the study. My wife just said, hello. I said, what is it? She came. She got a message on WhatsApp from a lady called Lovette. So she brought the phone and she showed me. And I saw, he said, Baro, guess what the name? I said, what is his name? He said, Lovette. <laughs> and the lady said to her, hi. Now, now, if she doesn't know me and she doesn't trust me, the devil is about to instill confusion. She just shook her and said, rubbish. That's what she said. She just said, rubbish. And the only way she could do that was because she had truth. So I started laughing. I said, even this last week is my most spiritual week. Prayed several times, prayed for hours to prepare for a meeting, and it is that same very week that Satan came with a message of Lovette. So I said, any Lovette I see around me, I'm joking, don't mind me. Oh, you think I was the only ghost fire? I don't do that. You know why I shared that? There are some of you, only that kind of dream will destroy your marriage. Eh. Shall they tell us anything at the dream they come to pass? If God showed me this was something they go on somewhere, you know what tell me the truth? Tell me no, I said, ah, what did happen? There's a difference between the leading of the spirit and suspicion. You should be able to tell when Satan wants to destroy the good thing that God has blessed you with. If I wasn't spiritual, I would have picked it up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I would have picked it up in the spirit. I wouldn't have. Then we just saw the seat back. And a man of God traveled one day and he came back after preaching and he was talking with the wife and her attitude had changed. So she said, who came to visit you when I traveled? He said, what do you mean? He said, hello, he said, no, no, no. He said, there's somebody that came to see you. I want to know who that person is. He said, why are you talking? I said, who is the person? Then she mentioned this particular. He said, he said, from today, that person is bound from this house. No, no, how many to come here again? There are people who are unknowingly agent of Satan. They don't know. They think they're protecting your interests. But they are being used by Satan to sow seeds of discord, and you need to be very careful. All of it will come. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So the devil hates marriage. I know that. I, I know that not just from personal experience, I know that from truth. So if you're not grounded in the truth, one stupid dream or one kind of funny dream will just come mess you up big time. Then you will realize all those times you are missing church, you're not coming for primity, you're not hearing the word of God, you will pay for it because you will have no defense of truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You will have no defense of truth. You can't tell the difference between suspicion and what is real. You can't even tell that Satan is trying to set you up and trying to destroy you. The reason she didn't tell me before was because she trusted me. She said, that's nonsense, that's rubbish. Wherever this one is coming from, I destroyed her. The only reason she told me was because I shared the dream with her. 
That's when she brought it up. But if it's about you, by the time the man will open up, you will just sit in front. When the man opens up, the first person will see is your face and your face line. You must say, what happened? You'll be looking at her, you're looking at the man like this. What is wrong? Where you go? What do you know where I go? I say, where you go? Who be she? You want to say, who's who? I say, who be she? Foolish person. Foolish. You are foolish. Tell everybody, say, no truth. Come on, say that. Say, no truth. The Bible says, true knowledge, the righteous will rule. All the way. If you don't know truth, say, that will mess you up big time. This was an attack. Trust me, it was. A big time attack. It's the kind of attack that can hit a foundation. If the foundation is not truth, it will scatter. Hallelujah. All right, are we ready for the word? All right, let's continue. Satan's while against the marriage union. Go to 1 Corinthians 7. We use this scripture. I'm going to go over it, then I'll continue from there. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3 to verse 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 to verse 5. Are we there? We said, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife has no power of her own body, but the husband, okay, the wife had no power of her own body, but the husband, that means the, the wife's body belongs to the husband, and likewise also the husband has no, no power of his own body, but the wife. Verse 5. Defend ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time. That you may give yourself to what? To fasting and prayer. And come together again, that Satan tempts you not for what? For your incontinency. And I reveal from this scripture that the devil is interested in the marriage union. And they will say that there is a principle in this portion of the Bible that is applied to the sexual relationship between a husband and a wife. But, but we're not just only looking at the application of the principle in that regard. We're also looking at the principle in general. Is that clear? And I'm going to tell you what that principle is shortly. But look at verse 5. He says, if for any reason the husband and the wife is to stay away, um, from having sexual relation, it should be with consent. Did you hear what I said? That word consent means it's an understanding and an agreement between the husband and the wife. Sex is not to be used as an emotional manipulative tool. If you're doing that, you're playing into Satan's hand. Am I making any sense? I'm not focusing on that, but I need to make that for those who are married. You shouldn't use sex as a weapon. It's not a weapon of mass destruction. Or is it a weapon of manipulation? You don't do that. If for any reason you are not in, you should communicate on time, humbly and truthfully with your spouse, man or woman. Am I making any sense? Because according to scripture, the moment you're married to your husband or to your wife, grace has given them power or right in that respect. And you need to know that. And for you to withhold, withhold that without consent is disobeying the instruction of God. You shouldn't do that. And Paul said this in verse 5. He said, whenever you do that, do it with consent. Otherwise, Satan will take advantage of your lack of consent and hit you with incontinency. Everybody say incontinency. 
What did we say incontinency is? Lack of self-control or restraint. Say that we may say lack of self-control. Now we said there is a biological application of this word. There's a condition where when somebody has lack of control, there are medical implications, but we're not dealing with that. Our emphasis is dealing with the general principle and why Satan wants to tempt men or the marriage relationship with incontinency and why he's using that as a while because incontinency is one of the wiles of the devil. Write it down. Incontinency or lack of self-control is a wile of the devil. The devil wants you to lack control, self-control. You want to lack self-restraint. It's not everything you want to eat, you should eat. Am I making any sense? Yes, Somebody say, God, give me mouth. What do you make I give me mouth? Maybe to shop. Well, I eat rubbish now. There is what is called self-control. One of the fruit of the spirit is temperance. It's called self-control. And Satan wants to hit that fruit of the spirit with lack of self-control. Where you can do what you want and do what you like and don't care. That's, 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 that's incontinency. That while of incontinency is to instill a lack of self-restraint and control in the spouses. Alright? Now hear this. Please hear this. Everybody pay attention to this. We said lack of self-control is the result of not submitting to the ways of God. Is that not what we said? Is that not? Because the ways of God puts a control over you. It submits you to God's ways. When you are submitted to the ways of God, you are under the control and the influence of God's ways. But when you lack self-control, it means you're rebelling against God's ways. Am I, am I saying something? I said whenever God instructs us to do something, he provides the grace to do it. In addition, whatever he wants us to do is for our benefit. I also say that our ways and God's way are mutually exclusive. They do not agree and can never agree. We saw that in Isaiah 55 verse 7 to verse 9. It says, let the wicked forsake his way. We said what makes a man wicked is his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let them return to the Lord and he will do what? He will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. In other words, to receive the mercy and the pardon of God is to return from your way. Look at your neighbor say return from your way. Say return from your thoughts. To return from your way means to reject your way and submit to God's way. Is that clear? Come on, am I talking to someone here? Look at your neighbor say submit to God's ways. Submit to God's thoughts. Because as long as you do, you will have self-control. God's way will keep you under self-control or self-restraint. Then he said in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God is saying, My ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thought. Man's way will always lead to lack of self-control or self-restraint. When you, you insist on your way, you will be out of control. And we said in Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. There is a way that seemeth right. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Tell your neighbor, say, return from your ways. Look at, I mean, don't, don't look at the person. Say, return from your ways. Say, excuse me, dear. The Lord has a word for you this morning. Return from your ways. Return from your thoughts. 
Look at the person. Say, the reason you are having a lot of challenges in some areas that seems to be out of control is because you are in your way and in your thoughts. Now return from your ways. Return from your thoughts. Return to the Lord. Choose his ways and his thoughts and you shall have his rest. Am I making any sense? See, some of us are fixated on our ways. There are some people, Christians, you tell them something, they don't. They, they still do what, they, I call them, they have a version of their own application of God rather than the truth version. And that's one of the ways we resist God. All right? And, and we said, God created man to be conditioned. Everybody say conditioned. The word conditioned means programmed, designed. To be conditioned to function according to his ways. That was why the only thing Adam and Eve knew before the temptation was the way of God. And the way of God is the way of peace. Until Satan came, tempted Eve, and proposed an alternative independent way of thinking. You were not designed to be independent of God. Are you hearing me? Our independence is dependent on dependency on God. Do you understand that statement? Eh? You know, somebody say, it's you, that's not me, it's me, it's you. All this, you know, modern day spin-off of Satan's lies. I mean, it's your truth, it's my truth, my way, your way. What is my way? Do you have any power to have a way? Did you create yourself? Eh? Answer me now, did you create yourself? Did you give birth to yourself? Did you bring yourself here? So what makes you think that now that you are here, you are smart? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. What does that mean? If you don't follow his ways, you are walking in what? In darkness. No matter your degree. There is a darkness in life that is only for those who reject the ways of God. Why did God give us his word? So that we can be delivered from the darkness of, that is in the earth through sin. There is a covering cast of darkness in the earth. It's not lack of Nepal light. It's a blindness of the mind that only the truth of God's word can lift. The Bible says, when we turn to the spirit, the veil shall be taken away. Is that not so? Say amen. amen. All right. God created man to be conditioned to function according to his will. But Satan, through sin, introduced iniquity to recondition man to function according to his own way. That's why when God will say something, we will have our opinion. God said, do it like this. Say, but God, why? Why are you asking me why? He has told you, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways. And he shall. Now God said, they say, God, why? That means you are still fixed on your ways. And, 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 and yielding to God is submitting to his ways and his thoughts. And the Bible tells us something about Balaam, who was a prophet. You remember his story? Second Peter 2.15. Which have forsaken the right way. Tell your neighbor, say, the word way is the right way. Right, then I say, the word way is the right way. So I want to ask you, those things you're doing, what is behind them? Your emotional reaction your way of doing business, your way of dealings, what is behind? Is it the right way or your way? Do you talk to God about it? Do you want to hear what he has to say? Or you believe you've figured life? 
or you've matured to some places where you really don't need God. He said, after all, why do I need God when he gave me a brain? You're a dummy. He didn't give you a brain to replace him. He gave you a brain to function according to the assignment. The wisdom behind that, your brain is from him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? The fact that we have independence to think doesn't mean we can function effectively without him. He gave you independence so you can have fellowship with him. Let's begin to get this right. Because the whole mess we're seeing today is because man is trying to do it his ways. And the Bible says it shall lead to death. Are you hearing me? Second Peter 2.15, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Pesor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb are speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. When you walk in your way, you become spiritually mad. Do you know what a madman is? A mad person is somebody who is off his senses. That's why when you see a mad person on the street, sometimes he's naked. He does mad things. Picks food from the dustbin and eats it. Walks sometimes practically naked. That's what a mad person does. And when you reject the ways of God, you become mad spiritually. You do stupid things. You, 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 you banter to men and opinion because it's popular, but it's going to destroy your destiny. Hallelujah. And we said iniquity simply means the invention of man's ways. Whenever you see the word iniquity in the Bible, iniquity means inventions of man's ways. That was what Satan introduced to Eve. Tap this man that is sleeping. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.29, it says, Lord, this one have I found. That God had made man upright. See, the word upright means you were conditioned to function according to the ways of God. It says, but have sought out many inventions. What is invention? To fix his ways. Look at your neighbor and say, I was designed by God. I was coded by God. To function by the ways of God. Amen. The ways of God is the way of rest. The way of God is the way of peace, is the way of favor, is the way of breakthrough. But when we seek our invention, we submit ourselves to the lies and the manipulation of the enemy. In Psalm 106 verse 39, it says, Thus were they defiled with their own works. What is their own work? They are attempting to build without the help and involvement of God. The Bible says, except the Lord builds the house. What happened? The laborer labor but in vain. There are relationships today that are built by man's intelligence, man's ability, and today they are reaping the reward of that. Because when you attempt to build without God's structure, you're going to build a life that will torture you and haunt you later. Am I making any sense? And Satan will make it look, you know what he said to him? He said, you will not die. God said, you shall surely die. He said, you will not die. He said, because God knows that the day you eat of it, you shall be like God's, knowing the difference between good and evil. Ah, I never saw it like this. Oh. So is it possible that I may not die? I may not die. And it's possible that I may be like God. I mean, what are the odds? The odd is satanic. She took it and she realized she was lied to. The odds against God is never good. Did you hear what I said? The odds against God is what? Never good. That thing you always want to do, saying, I'm now leave her, that's what I want to leave her, leave me, leave me. <laughs> they will leave you. The thing that will hold you, you will know. 
Leave me, leave me, leave me, leave me. They will leave you, no problem. But the thing that will hold you, you will look for people, nobody will hold you. Our way will always defile or corrupt us. It will always result in compromises, bad decisions, making avoidable mistakes. Incontinency results in the marriage union when either one or both spouses refuses to submit to what? To the ways of God. That's why one of the spouses will just decide not to sleep with the husband or the wife without even telling, no, no agreement or no consent. That's in, that, that spouse has been attacked by the wild of incontinency. You are breaking away from the ways of God and doing what you like. Maybe you are angry or you are offended or you didn't like what the man said or what the man did or you didn't like what your wife said. And so, so I would deny him what is our right or his right. God says, Satan is coming for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, let us, I, I, I did say in 1 Corinthians 7 that we looked at a principle that Satan is attacking with the wild. You know what a wild is? Deceptive lies. Incontinency is a deceptive lies. That's how Satan operates. He's a liar. If he's going to get men to do something, he has to lie to them. And the reason he lies is to mislead them from the truth of God's word. So incontinency is a wile of the devil, a satanic deceptive lies. Are you hearing me? Now, what is the goal of incontinency? In 1 Corinthians 7 that we read from verse 3 to verse 4, there is one principle that the wiles of incontinency seeks to attack in the marriage union. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Write this down. One word. It's called submission. Everybody say submission. submission. I didn't hear everybody. Submission. Say submission. submission. The principle of submission is very important. You must understand it before you marry. You must understand it while you marry. Because it has an application in marriage. It has an application in other areas. The moment you enter the kingdom of God, the entire protocol by which the kingdom of God operates among the kingdom citizen is by the principle of submission. The Bible said in James 1, it says, submit yourself to God. Is that not so? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's where it begins from. So if you don't understand submission, you can't function. If you enter God's kingdom and you don't understand the principle of submission, you will resist the ways of God. Because when a man does not submit, he is resisting the ways of God. So, what is the devil attacking in the marriage union within continency? Everybody says submission. submission. I didn't hear you. Submission. I did not hear you. Submission. Let me show you how the devil is doing that. That's why I said, if you're in this first stay for the seconds, you need to get this. God and not man invented the concept of marriage. Who invented marriage? Who invented marriage? It is important you understand that, too. I want you to say it from your mouth. Who invented marriage? Look at your neighbor. Say, who invented marriage? So marriage is not a product of your culture. Did you hear what I said? It was here before your culture came. And the one who invented marriage is him. Did you hear what I said? So the concept, the model, the principles and the practices of marriage came from God. Not man. Hear me. Hear me. The enemy has tried to hijack and redefine marriage over the years. The area the enemy attacks the marriage union with is with incontinency. 
I'm sorry, the area of, that the marriage attacks the marriage relationship with incontinency is submission. The enemy has used the following wiles of incontinency to attack the meaning and application of submission in the marriage union. I will repeat the statement again. The enemy has used the wile of incontinency to attack the meaning and application of submission in the marriage union. Because there is no marriage without submission. Did you hear what I said? Let me repeat that. There is no marriage without submission. Also, you cannot function in the Christ life without submission. You can't. Because for you not to submit is to insist in your ways. Am I making any sense? Please hear me. We're going to look at three areas that the wiles of incontinency has attacked marriage. And some of you may find that, that there are some areas that um, you may have been biased when it comes to marriage. So let the truth open that bias this morning in Jesus' name. The first area the wild of incontinency carries is culture. Everybody say culture. I didn't hear you say culture. The first area that marriage has been attacked is through culture. It's been culturized. Remember I said the devil tries to hijack marriage. That also. Now what is culture? The word culture means to adopt the rules or norms of a people. Every tribe has a culture. True or false? Every tribe has a culture. Every, and what is a culture? It, it, it simply means the mindsets and the practices of that particular tribe. Mindset. And the mindsets are created by men under influences. So that's why you see different cultures. And if God is not, the revelation of God is not behind the culture, Satan can hide behind it and influence men with terrible cultures. I've seen what culture has done, just even to the women alone, not to talk of marriage. I remember there was a time uh, in our campus, one of the sisters lost her, her father, and we followed her to go for the barrier. Somewhere in the east, I've forgotten the village, but I know it was a very far place. When we got there, I was like, where's your mother? I see one woman inside one prison. They shaved her head, put her, nobody was greeting her. I said, where's your mother? He said, that's her. I said, what's she doing there? And they say, culture, that you don't talk to her since the husband is there. I said, who told them this lie? What did you put here this nonsense from? I'm even hearing one of you in Portacourt here. I will not mention it. Let me spare you people. That when the man dies, the relative will come and stay inside the widow's house. And she'll be cooking for them for a particular period. Hey! Hey! Then you say, it's our culture! It's our culture! That's the way we do it. What do you mean that? Who created the way? Somebody just lost her husband. You're not talking of how she's going to survive. Then you're not carrying some hungry looking bulldogs and bring them inside the house for she to be feeding them. And you say, it's what? Culture. The process of culture redefining a thing is called in general studies as acculturation. I did that in my GS course in year one. I enjoyed it. A when a culture influences something. Now, marriage is a divine culture. Say that. Say it. One more time. 
Marriage is a divine culture. And so, whenever another culture is trying to redefine the, 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 the GS word, general study word or social study word for it is acculturation. You're trying to adapt a culture to another culture by trying to change the practices, the mindset and the practices of that. All right? So cultural practices are subject to regional mindsets and practices. Setting cultural definitions of marriage as imprisoned women and men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Setting cultures as what? Imprisoned men and women. There are some of you who are a very cultural man. You are not a spiritual man. You are what? A cultural man. Some of you are very cultural women. Your culture is sitting like a principality inside your head. Hear me. Setting cultural definition of marriage as imprisoned women and men. For some of the women, they've been portrayed as slaves. The women are viewed as victims, slaves. That has no say and has no value. The potentials of such women and sometimes the men are inhibited and their possibilities are caged because of a selfish cultural definition of marriage. If your cultural definition agrees with scripture, hallelujah, praise God. But when my daughter wants to marry, except they're not born you well, you will come and tell me and give me problem on how my daughter will marry. If I invite you, it's a favor I did for you. It's a favor. So when you come, you will know how your mouth will talk. I won't bring you and come and bring trouble for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say it's the name of culture. Culture nonsense. You can't try that with me. Except they're not born you well. I will let you understand you have been invited as a weakness. What is a weakness? Somebody will come and sit down, see, chop, go. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? Culture is not God. Culture is man-made. What did I say? It's not God. We, we belong to Zion. Did you hear what I said? We belong to what? Zion. So when I want to, I'm telling you, you see it, that you can't come and, no, that's not what I said. What did you say? Please get out of my house now. Leave and never come back. In fact, they know me. They already know me as I am now. All the chief, after my father died, they said that one, he head strong. No, not my head strong. I know what I want. There was a time they said, I'll come and kneel down. And I said, what did you say? The moment they saw my eyes, they said, leave her. Forget her. Just leave her. Leave her. Leave her. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number two, another attack on marriage is modernization. What did I say? That's another while of incontinency. Modernization. Yeah. Modernization. What does it mean to modernize something? It means to adapt mod to modern needs or habits, typically by installing modern things or doing modern ideas. Different modernization attempt has been made to redefine marriage. These are viewpoints that refuses or sees the scriptural context of marriage as archaic. Have you heard people say that before? Say this Bible is an archaic thing. You know, all those things, it's, just, it's, it's old fashioned. We're living in a modern day. Which modern day? Do men now have two heads and ten legs? Eh? So, what do you mean by modern? Is it because of internet? They've been carrying information since they, we were born. So, if you provide a different, improved, and more effective channel to transfer information, does it stop you from being an information? Eh? Whether you can easily access it with a phone, 
or a tablet or whatever. Information is still what? Information. That's why you be very careful so that this tablet does not tablet you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And phone does not phone you. you some of us, we, we've, we've, we're, we've developed an unhealthy. It's a tool. Tell your neighbor, say it's a tool. Look at your neighbor, say your phone is a tool. Say your tablet is a tool. Your, your laptop is a tool. Don't let it control you. Yeah, don't. Don't live as if it's your life. Some of you, my phone, hey, my phone, where is my phone? Where? Hey, what's wrong with you? It's a phone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's what? It's just a phone. Hey, my phone, ha, ah, where's my phone? Hey, my phone, no, as if they cut, out, cut your hand or your leg. That's wrong. That's been, been manipulated by modernization. The thing about modernization is that it tries to tell you certain pillars of truth are no more important. They are archaic. They are outdated. Let me show you seven ways. There are different modern philosophical concept models and approaches to mind. I did a little bit of research and I found out that in psychology, which is the study of human behavior, there generally there's a, there are seven definition of marriage. Modern definition. Everybody say modern. modern. I'm going to read some of them. These are all attempts by Satan to redefine marriage. Number one, there's what they call starter marriage. Everybody say starter marriage. You know when you go and get SIM card, they give you a starter pack. Is that also? <laughs> yeah. What is a starter marriage? It's a modern form of marriage where the people involved know that it's just their initiation to marriage that it may not last long. That you're using this one to gain experience and understand people so they can move on to the next one. It's called starter marriage. That's why you see some people in Hollywood, they have seven marriages. As if they are, they are, something's wrong with them. Then when the marriage said, look, don't remind me of my first husband. Let me warn you. That's what he did to me and I walked away. It's called starter marriage. Are you hearing me? Two people marry and down the line they will divorce and then marry other people. In most cases, the purpose of ending a starter marriage is to move on to the next for better status or access. All right. For only one spouse to know the marriage is a starter, and that's usually the person who has the most to gain and plans to move upward. When I saw it, I was like, okay. But that's what's going on. People today say, look, look, as I go this marriage, make I just talk and down. And then they go for nonsense. So if they just give me nonsense, I just waka, waka. Satan has planted a seed of a starter marriage in your head. And that's what's destroying you. Another one, write this down. It's called companionship marriage. Please listen to what I'm about to say. Those who are married and those who intend to get married. The companionship kind of marriage is I am married to my bestie for life. My bestie. I married my friend. Have you heard people talk like that before? Now listen to the deception in that statement. The issue with this concept is that it glorifies the means as the end. Did you hear what I just said? The, the problem with that concept is that it glorifies. Is there companionship in marriage? Yes. But it's not the purpose of marriage. But when you have a companionship mindset, see, for me, I want to, I'm going to marry my friend. So even the modern psychologists say, marry your best friend. Marry your best friend. 
Then when they not enter, the best will become best enemies in our world. The issue with this company, it glorifies the means. Is there companionship in marriage? Yes, there is. But it's not the end. It's not the purpose. Companionship is a process in marriage. But it is not the purpose of marriage. Big difference. Companionship is what? A process in marriage, but it is not the purpose. Because so most of the time, Satan will hit your sense of companionship and will try to create crisis between two of you. So if you are a companionship-driven person, if for any reason you and your husband have a quarrel or misunderstanding, then the marriage has what? Ended. I thought he was my friend. When I married him, he was my best. We used to laugh together. We used to go to the beach together. Go to movies together. See your useless life. Go to beach and movie. That's why you married yourself, to be going to beach movies. See the way you have watered your life down. So the marriage to you is by where you are holding hands. You know, just... That's when I married her. I say, I told my wife, because I saw her in Lagos, I say, bad beach, zero. See me running on the beach? Mm -mm. That will never work. Never work. I'm very romantic, but romantic in the original way. Say you will not, will not be wearing boxer. Do you ever pour water on your body? Go and bath if you want to bath. It's good not to have some. Listen, listen, listen. It's funny, but listen. Once you you allow that light to enter, and some realities hit you in marriage, you will know it's not about that one. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because for some of you, your husband is not romantic anymore. He used to hold my hand. We used to laugh. We used to go to a movie. You, do you even know what's going on? There are some things that will hit you. You don't want to see a movie. Okay, let me leave it there. Let me continue because I'm going somewhere. Okay. Companionship is a process in marriage, but it's not the purpose of marriage. It is to serve the purpose of marriage. When companionship is not balanced with the understanding of purpose, it becomes selfish. Your expectation becomes selfish. Yeah, no, no, no. It don't mind me. It doesn't understand my love language. My friend, swallow that nonsense. That means you don't know what marriage is. Love language. Love, can you what? Which marriage? Which love language? Say, I like you to talk. I, I like when it comes, it does this. I like when it goes. It's nice. But if you make it as the reason for marriage, my friend, you will last. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You will what? They have their place, but it's to serve the purpose of marriage. They are not the purpose. Number three, parenting marriage. What is parenting marriage? The individuals involved focus on their children. No matter useless man. Now, because we get children. If not be the children, they, what are they do for you? I go and do all the suffer. God knows. Now my children. So when they grow up, what will not happen? Eh? What will happen? The two of you will not become roommates. The individual involved focus on their children and how best to raise them. Romance is not a priority. This concept of marriage pro, uh, prioritizes procreation. That is bearing children. They judge their marriage based on how many children they have. That's parental marriage. In fact, one of the reasons some parents try to push their children to go and get married. I want granddaughter now. I want grand. No, make a carry my grandpa. Eh? I born you now. You don't go born. Number four, safety marriage. Everybody says safety marriage. This one is some of you see this a lot. 
is the con this marriage is based for the concept is based on financial security. It is purely financially motivated. Some women in this light will not mind becoming second, third, fourth, fifth, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen married wife. They don't mind. As long as the man can take care of them. So you like her? Like I not like her. So now this kind of yeah, yeah, man. But I, they pay my bill. Uh, you like suffer. Me, I don't like suffer. I like my comfort than the man. So since the man they supply him, he's my ATM. Oh, now God bring come give me. Yes. My as the man is saying, my old man in her mind, she say, My ATM, my ATM. So you are just an ATM. Self-safety marriage. And the problem with safety marriage is that if anything happens financially, the safety is gone. So you think, say, look me where. When you marry me, see, see me, see me. When you marry me, how I be? Now when this one, you, you want me, I know, are they, when you ready, eh, may you come. You'll carry the children, she will go. She said, the bomb comes over, God forbid, bad thing. They tell you, say, so far, my family. You know, Lord, my sister, look at all of them, they're doing well. It's, now only you, so far, put something for your head, God forbid, bad thing. Nonsense, what kind of rubbish that? Where is love without money? Well, leave that thing, no. Ah, safety. It's called what? Safety. Safety marriage. Then there's what we call living together. Everybody say living together. They are just roommates. Good money. Good money. Your food is the table. Welcome from work. There is no relational connection at all. They are just simply living together. Number six, open marriage. This one is very prominent in the West and is beginning to enter Africa. Have you heard of the concept called swinger? Is this swinger? Or, uh, swinger, yes. Have you heard about the concept of swinger? You've not? Ah, some of you don't know. Some of you know you don't want to tell me. A swinger relationship means a couple is married, but the husband and the wife is still allowed to go and sleep with another person's wife and another person's husband. It's called swinger. They even do reality show on it on DSTV. I hope you know. It's there. So they, they will now, maybe one family will come. They will gist. Then the husband for this will sleep with the wife of that one. Then the wife will sleep with the husband of the other one. They will not change. Yeah. And they say, it just, it just, and when you see them laughing, they'll be smiling. They say, it's so good. It's so good. I, I. <sighs> That's how, how useless some people have become. It's called open marriage. So when the man travels, the man can have an affair. Yeah. So, so some of the women who are breaking the other affairs say, like, over there, uh, who did you sleep with? Okay, I met one, Terry, she was from, oh, okay. What of her husband? She said, husband say, I'm coming too. That's what happens when people reject God and his ways. Am I making any sense? All right. Then finally, that's what they call covenant marriage. Covenant marriage is a marriage of agreement with stated terms and condition. Isn't that a gospel one? But it's a contract. Everybody say contract. I, I think instead of using the word covenant, because covenant is a kingdom word, let's use it as contract marriage. Eh? Right contract. Everybody say contract. Yeah, it has stated terms and condition. In the marriage. So the marriage is a contract. 
These are seven forms of satanic assault on the marriage union. And there are some of you sitting here, there are some that has affected your concept of marriage. And that's the kind of expectation you have. Now, there are also marriage companies today that tries to shape shift. I use the word shape shift. Marriages to conform to personal preferences. Because all these things I mentioned are personal preferences. What you like, what you don't like. So there are companies that they try to cancel you to shape shift the concept of marriage to suit your particular specification. So they create a product of a marriage product that suits what you like. Finally, oh, my time is up. Let me just mention the last assault of the wild of continuity. Everybody say demonized. There is culture, modernization, and what? Demonization or demonized. What do we mean by the weapon of the wild of incontinency of demonization? The demonized mentality to marriage portrays marriage in the following light, three ways, as wicked, oppressive, and threatening. That's why you see some ladies in our society today, they don't marry because they've been victim of a demonized concept of marriage. They see marriage as oppressive. They see marriage as threatening and they see marriage as wicked. And I'll tell you why, is in, why they feel that way. Write this down. This has been done because of abuse. Abuse. They hear of a man that beat his wife to death. Say, so, I will not marry one man. The man will not be terminated to a tomporching bag. God forbid, but I know they marry. So there are some women who today are glorified uh, celebrity in society, but because they are either, they have weakness and abuse, every abuse version of marriage is a demonized version of marriage. Satan is trying to demonize it so that they will not get involved. And through that abuse, the enemy is trying to tell them this thing will destroy your life. So don't, don't, don't get involved with that. Many are seeing marriage today through domestic abuse by those who lack understanding of the purpose and place of the marriage union. That's a demonized version. My time is up. Rise up on your feet. We'll continue. Like I say, stay and get this thing. We're going to be looking at submission, a kingdom culture, and how it applies to the marriage relationship. Rise up on your feet quickly. Bring out your offering. And let's begin to thank God. Have you learned something this morning? Father, we give you praise for the word. Pray this word of Christ would dwell richly in our hearts and bear fruit through our lives in Jesus' name. We lift up our offering. Thank you for another opportunity to honor you with our offering. We give because you instructed us to give and as an expression of our worship and gratitude. And Father, as we give, we acknowledge you as our source, supplier, and sustainer. And we receive grace to continue to abound unto every good works. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. All right. Obviously, something's wrong with the seat. All right, you can have your seat while they take the offering. Oh, is it available? All right, because I wasn't seeing scripture. All right, can we read them? This is the three prophetic grace words we received last Sunday. Are you paying attention? What is the first one? Say impossible that will open for me. What is the second one? So anything usual in your life, no more. Say amen. Because anything usual wants to keep you stuck with the familiar and the predictable. But God is creating for something better. Amen. What is the third one? Say, I am coming to my rest. Say, I am coming to my rest. All right. Go to the next one. What did we say here? I want to go. 
Some of you are not reading. You want to go? That's pretty, very straightforward. Go to the next one. So get your mind well tuned. Amen. Go to the next one. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.